This is Healthcare Strategies. This is Jacqueline Lapointe, Director of Editorial at Extelligent Healthcare Media, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. Today, we are talking to Dr. Gary Stuck, Chief Medical Officer at Advocate Aurora Health. For those who don't know, Advocate Aurora Health is one of the 12 largest not-for-profit integrated health systems in the U.S., but the Midwest-based system is also known for being a leader in value-based care programs, including Medicare's flagship accountable care organization model, the Medicare Shared Savings Program. In fact, Advocate Aurora Health's ACOs saw their best performance yet, according to recent performance data released by CMS, and that is on top of experiencing a global pandemic. So Dr. Stuck, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Advocate Aurora Health's most recent performance in the Shared Savings Program? Great, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me with you today. It's, it's great to have a conversation with you, and uh, thank you for letting us share our Advocate Aurora story. So we did have a tremendous year in 2020. Our combined three Advocate Aurora ACOs performed very well as you said, and generated $110 million in shared savings for our taxpayers. That's a big improvement, 28% improvement since 2019. So we're really proud of that. We're early adopters in the MSCSP program. We participated in the inaugural year in 2012. And since then, we've saved the taxpayers more than $414 million. Wow, that's incredible. Like you said, this may have been a record year for you guys, but it certainly isn't abnormal for Advocate Aurora Health's Medicare ACOs to earn shared savings while achieving top-notch quality scores. So I was wondering if you could explain to us some of your tried-and-true strategies for ensuring success year after year, especially where you've been doing this for so long. Sure, and thank you for recognizing the top uh, quality scores because first and foremost, we are a safe clinical enterprise and we strive to provide our patients the best care we can. So it's really the first and primary goal, but secondary, we do need to lower the total cost of care. And we're very focused on that. I would say that Advocate Aurora has made a very strong commitment and we've invested in our people and uh, technology and programs and have built on those year over year to, to build that success. And for us being very intentional and making those heavy investments and not taking our focus off of those investments to improve care for our patients and lower the costs. It's, it's just been premier for us. I think some of our keys to success are those investments, first of all, but uh, one of those was an integrated platform. So we are on Epic everywhere. Uh, we All of our acute care sites are now on Epic platform and our ambulatory sites are now integrated one way or another. Based on that, we used Epic's Healthy Planet population health platform to really help us follow patients across the continuum. So this really enables us to keep our eyes on patients no matter what setting they're in. It improves communication, it improves quality, and it improves uh, care coordination. We also have a very strong cross-continuum care management program with patient outreach. And uh, again, a heavy investment, but being able to follow those patients across the continuum helps us out. And then we've enabled technology to do that. We use several different platforms, ME, Care Companion, and others uh, for patient outreach. So we reach out to patient, follow them, educate them, 
look for warning signs that they might have deterioration in their um, condition, and then try to reconnect them with resources to prevent unnecessary wasteful ER visits or readmissions. And that also is a big patient satisfier. They want to stay at home. They want to be healthy at home. And we want to enable them and give our clinicians and our patients the tools to help them achieve those goals and help them live well. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking too, you know, your goal is to follow patients through through the care continuum. And that is really a great foundational strategy for those cost savings, but also quality of care. And I think that third piece is patient satisfaction. But we went through kind of a unique year where patients may not have been engaging with that entire care continuum. So how has that strategy evolved for you guys? Well, it's certainly pushed us into more virtual care. And we think that's a good thing because it does create increased access for patients. And the pandemic gave us a, a shove and we're not going back. And it also forced us to look at other technologies and new programs and how we might help our patients live better. So expanding virtual access to our clinicians, monitoring via virtual visits. Once patients are out of an acute care setting, you know, these have become very uh, important. And then, as I mentioned earlier, some of the other technology solutions just to for outreach and, and, and monitoring. We've also started to use a hospital at home, and we had over 400 COVID patients during the pandemic so far, and we're looking at how we can expand on hospital home programs for other chronic conditions such as congestive heart failure, COPD, et cetera. Again, um, lower cost of care, big patient satisfiers for folks who want to be at home, but only when it's safe and appropriate. Um, so we're looking at those and looking to expand those programs for the future. Yeah, I think strategies have definitely evolved since the COVID pandemic happened. Um, because they had to. But have you guys had any other lessons learned that have prompted your ACLs to sort of switch strategy or integrate new strategies? You know, you guys have been doing this for so long. So what are some lessons learned from your experience in the Medicare Shared Savings Program? Well, we, we did learn in the prior years that the integrated care management was key and touching the patients and reaching out to them, not waiting for them to just get worse and show up in the emergency room really touching the patients where they're at is so incredibly important. And then having that cross continuum information and communication and care coordination, again, it's just key. The lesson learned was to expand on some of those successes. So we increased our care to patients at home by 11% over the year before. So again, we expanded some of those programs where we had initial success. Great. So Advocate Aurora Health has a great foundation for value-based care success as seen through your successes in the Medicare Shared Savings Program. But how do your Medicare ACOs fit into your overall value-based care portfolio? What other models are you guys engaging in and where have you seen successes outside of the ACO model? We do have commercial contracts that are value-based. And again, we've made a commitment to that. And again, very intentional. And it's taken us years of learnings and experimentation. So we do participate in bundles programs. We're looking to expand bundles and other risk programs directly with other payers and looking at new care models and how we might transform care to, again, improve care and lower the total cost of care. We think that's a huge opportunity. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't know that we're in trouble with the cost of our healthcare system and that we need to cut the waste out of our system 
do give, provide patients the right care at the right time and really look at what value are we bringing with every test that we order, every procedure that we do, and the entire care model. So I think looking to the future, we're committed to expand value-based care and look at how we can transform care for patients and continue to be a leader in that space. So in speaking of the future, um, where do you see the future of the ACO going? Because we've seen a lot of changes in the Medicare Share Savings Program already. You know, the previous administration was very adamant about increasing things like financial risk on ACOs and on providers in general. Is this a trend you see you know, moving forward with this administration, the next administration, and so on? Is this just the future of value-based care? I'm not going to say that I'm an expert at predicting what, what's going to happen there in that space, but I, I do think that certainly growing risk in MSSP and other programs and other new care models that we're going to have to continue to evolve. I don't think MSSP is going to be the end game and end all for our Medicare program, but certainly we're learning a lot from that and from the bundles program. I think it will continue to evolve, but I'm not exactly sure where we're going to land with positive solutions that we have to, we have to solve. We have to come to good solutions for our patients. Absolutely. With operating under so many different types of value-based care models, I was also curious about overlap. And that's a common complaint people have with something like a CMMI program. Um, Bundles perhaps overlap with an ACO model because of the nature of episodic versus population or accountable care. How are you guys sort of managing all of these different types of models? Yeah, (laughs) that's a a really good question because it does get confusing at times. And then identifying patients Again, our integrated record has helped us, but identifying patients and what programs they're in and how do you leverage that technology to communicate better with what programs patients might be in or how they might intersect with their next level of care, or again, even moving across the continuum. It's not an easy thing to do. It really can be difficult at times. And I think our system is looking at how we can continue to accelerate to identify patients, follow them in health and wellness and be a lifelong partner with the patient rather than just taking care of them when they're very, very sick and end up in one of our ICUs. And then they move on to the next place of care. So I think that's a real focus for us is wellness. We wanna become more consumer centric. We wanna have more consumer outreach and be really become more of a wellness company. Yeah, absolutely. That was actually something I kind of wanted to touch on because it seems that healthcare consumerism is a big trend right now. We know patients owe more out-of-pocket for care. They're engaging with the system a little bit differently than they did before because they may have a little more skin in the game. How does the idea of creating consumer-oriented care align with your value-based care strategy? Well, I think it aligns very, very well. In fact, we have really started to launch and hold ourselves accountable around consumer experience and in metrics around consumer experience. So we actually have five metrics that we have on our system report card reported out every month. So we have not only health outcomes and patient safety, but we also have patient experience and now consumer experience. So we see that as another basic for us to provide great care to patients. I would also say we're also investing in consumer wellness companies. So aside from our direct patient care, we see that as a benefit to our patients for us to promote wellness, perhaps, and maternal, fetal, senior wellness, food, transportation, and other adjacent businesses to improve the care for our patients. 
Yeah, right. Because it's not just Medicare beneficiaries that should be able to take advantage of these value-based care programs. You're really talking about a larger population. I was curious too, just to go back a little bit about that integrated platform and how it relates to understanding the care continuum where patients are. So I was wondering, what challenges have you guys faced with understanding where a patient is within the care continuum? What are the data points that you guys are really looking for through an integrated platform to help you better understand that? I'd say it starts with being connected to the patient in the first place and then learning as much as we can. So for instance, we're doing social determinants of health screening and we're trying to hold ourselves accountable to do that on every patient. And so the more we know about our patients and, and their particular needs and their possible disparities of health, that helps us provide better care and helps us identify them and help them navigate the healthcare system. So I think that when we don't do that, that does create a barrier and we get gaps of care. We're also developing through our Health Equity Council some initiatives for outreach to improve hypertension in challenged patients. We have set metrics and certain zip codes where we know there are gaps in care, where we have truly failed our patients, and we're intentional in trying to fix that. So we have targets for Black and Hispanic patients in certain zip codes under our care to improve hypertension control. We're also looking at maternal fetal health and a whole other set of metrics to try to close some of the gaps that we're uncovering that have been there a long time that we know we need to address. I think it's interesting too that we talk so much more about, you know, patient experience, patient satisfaction, and really getting down to communicating better with the patient. As we're, you know, I think earlier in the Medicare Share Savings Program, physician and clinician engagement was a, a huge issue that CMS was identifying in reports. So, you know, has something like an integrated platform helped with the clinician engagement aspect? Or how have you guys overcome some of these clinician engagement issues, such as, you know, clinicians not really knowing which patients assign to a certain accountable care organization and trying to get them to understand total cost of care, care quality metrics and the like. Well, we do have an incentive program where we've reshaped payment models for our physicians and focus on patient experience and focus on quality metrics. So it's not the same as the traditional have a visit get paid as in fee-for-service. So we actually have metrics built around that to incentivize our physicians to really promote a great patient experience, improve care. You know, And this means, again, our clinicians are reaching out to patients. They may not want to come in for cancer screenings or follow up on diabetes care or lab tests, but we have created a model where we incentivize them to do the right thing and they want to do the right thing. So it's a win-win to really provide better care. I think that having an integrated platform, to get back to your question, is helpful. It decreases frustration. When a clinician wants to make the right decision based on all the information, and I've lived in that world as a family physician where I didn't have all the records and I knew someone was just in an emergency room down the street or had a CAT scan at another facility, and it was frustrating to try to gather the records and try to make a good decision for the patient, or there was a lag or delay, and you know that can create a, a delay in diagnosis and increase risk of error. It's a satisfier for a physician or a nurse to have the information in front of them, not to have to search, it saves time. And they know that they're able to provide better quality when they have everything that they need to make a good decision right in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like for an organization like Advocate of Rural Health, 
you have many different types of providers touching your patients uh, and interoperability can be such a challenge nowadays. I know we're, we're making strides, but getting everyone on the same page can be <laughs> quite difficult. Dr. Stuck, is there anything you think we should add around this conversation about you know, ACL success and value-based care moving forward? I think it's essential that we all take a look at our healthcare system and part of, be part of the solution. And at Advocate Aurora, we're again, very committed to improving care for our patients, but at the same time, trying to solve the problem of healthcare being too expensive. And when we've, uh, you know, we've been emboldened by our success and yet we need to continue to transform care. We need to look at new care models. And to your question earlier, you know, we are going outside of the MSSP space in value-based care. Been doing that and again, need to grow that for continued future success. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Stuck, for those insights. Um, you give us a lot to think about today, especially about the future of value-based care and what's going to influence strategies um, then. So thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. To our listeners, let us know your thoughts on the ACO model and the future of value-based care. And if you have any healthcare strategies you want to know more about, email us at jlapointextelligentmedia.com. That is J-L-A-P-O-I-N-T-E at extelligentmedia.com. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare Strategies, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.